0: Center ice for all things islanders, rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports.
1: Welcome back to Five on Three WFUV's podcast for all things NHL and hockey. I am your host, your a host for today, Samantha Bohr, and I'm here with Colin Lochren and Tyler Mooney. We are back. Last week we had a special guest. We had James Burley, who he was lovely. Happy to see him. But we're back with the usual suspects. Uh, Fellas, how are you today, Colin?
2: Well, I mean, you referred to us as the usual suspects. That is indeed correct, because I have a feeling today is going to be a little bit of an all-over-the-place episode emotionally. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to venture to say Tyler's going to have a lot to say about the Rangers. I'm also going to make the bold assumption that I'm going to go nuts about the Bruins as per usual. I'm sure you have some thoughts, too, about all those things, including your abs and where Johnny G ended up. So I'm excited to see where this episode goes, because it feels like one that could go any which way.
0: Agreed, Colin. I love free agency. So much happens, especially in this past free agency, some surprises, some not so surprises, but uh, there's definitely a lot to talk about. And there will definitely be some opinions flying, I I I feel.
1: Yeah, before uh, before we clicked record for this here podcast, they were already getting into it a little bit. So today is sure to be a very, very exciting recording session of Five on Three. Like you both said, this free agency has been insane. Perhaps one of the crazier free agencies I can remember at least, and I don't know if that's just because I was paying more attention or if that's because there was really something in the water this year. Because even texting some of the other people I know who cover different teams, they were also saying that this year was particularly wacky. So we've seen a lot of a lot of trades, a lot of releases, a lot of everything happened the last week. And I've been surprised by a few, but just overwhelmed by it all. I guess we'll start off with the Rangers, our boys in blue, the Broadway blue shirts Signing Vincent Trocheck, Louis Domingue, Ty Emberson, and Yaroslav Halak all to the Rangers. Now, what an interesting uh, group of contenders to have in the uh, red and blue uniforms. Once again, we get first of all, I'll start off with I guess Vincent Trocheck. He was acquired from the Canes, and he signed a seven-year, thirty-nine point three seven five million contract, million-dollar contract, which is bananas. I mean, of course we know how powerful he is. We watched him this past year. We watched him before that, but paying him a lot of money in place of two powerful people that the Rangers had this past year. I know Colin and Tyler, you both have thoughts on that. So I will save that for you two to share as well. But he was coached by Coach Gallant when he was on the Panthers from 2014 to 2017, and they had a really good relationship. He speaks very highly of Coach Gallant. Coach Gallant speaks very highly of him. So I think that that was a big reason that he did end up agreeing to be signed with the Rangers, because obviously he wants to be back with him. He's familiar with him. I think that will really help with the transition. Um, He had six goals and four assists in 14 playoff games. We know how good he is. We know how powerful he is. We watched him play against the rangers uh in this past stanley cup playoff and now he is playing for the very team that he had to fight against which i think is very very interesting uh he what's the biggest stat that stands out to me about him is he had 180 plus hits last season which i think is a wild number he's one of i think only three or four people to have hit that mark last year um no pun intended Hit that mark ha 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 <laughs> yeah. um and so i think that that will help bring some aggression to this ranger squad because when i think of the rangers i don't necessarily think aggression besides perhaps like ryan reeves or frank vitrana you know and now i mean he has gone so i don't really think aggression when i think this squad i think young and i think fast and so i think having someone like him who isn't afraid to get in there and hit will be really helpful for this new york team and also he has an over 50% uh, face-off percentage, which I think will be really helpful for them as well because the Rangers ranked 24th in face-off percentage wins last year, which is just not good enough. If you want to be the best, you can't be losing in the face-off. So I have just said a lot of things, mumbled a lot. Tyler, hit us. Go ahead. Thoughts on Vincent Trishik.
2: So originally,
0: like first thoughts that popped in my head when I saw the contract, I thought, okay, that's that's a lot of years. I mean, seven years, he's got, I think a modified no move for the first couple. And I was like, huh, uh, you know, it's a great player. Obviously he, the biggest thing for me is he wins face-offs the Rangers. As you said, Sam, they were getting abused on face-offs last year, especially in that Carolina series. I mean, they, in those games in Carolina, they were winning like 30% face-offs. You're not going to win if, if you're winning at that clip. I know, there's t- kind of been some people who, who've been saying, hey, you know, face-offs are maybe not as important as some people make them out to me, but you still need to be a good face-off team to win the Stanley Cup, and the Rangers were not that. So Trochak is automatically going to be their number one face-off guy, which I think that was huge for them to get. Um, and as I, I, I digested it a little more, I think I like this contract more for two reasons. One, while seven years is a long time, I think it was necessary for them to give him seven years to keep the cap hit down. The Rangers needed to do two things this offseason. It was clear that they weren't going to bring back Ryan Strome. And I think Andrew Kopp, although I would have liked to have him back, I think he always had his heart set on the Detroit Red Wings. And he signed that contract with the Detroit. I don't think he would have signed the same contract with the Rangers. I think the Red Wings got a little bit of a hometown discount there. So you needed to bring in a guy who was going to be able to fill it in on that second line, can kind of do everything, win faceoffs, contribute offensively, hit, as you said, Sam. check could do that all and you got him for under $6 million. That was something, if you look at the Rangers' cap, they absolutely needed to do. They have Lafreniere and Keandre Miller, among a few others, who are up for contracts next year. And, I mean, just looking, look at what Josh Norris just got. He got $8 million from the Senators. That Lafreniere contract, especially if he's playing on the first line next year, that could be a fat contract. So the Rangers are going to be really strapped with the cap. They needed to keep the AAV down, and they did it with Trocheck giving him the extra years, I think did that. And something that also made me feel better is, listen, we'd have the flat cap now, but in two, three years, this cap is going to explode. I mean, I would say by 2024, 2025, the cap is going to be, it's going to go up $10 million. It's going to be in the mid nineties. And and the back end of this contract where, you know, maybe Trocek isn't necessarily worth the money that he's getting. It's still going to be a much more manageable contract when the cap is at 96 million and not 81 or 82 and a half, whatever it is right now. So, at the end of the day, I think it was a good contract for the Rangers. They got a player that they desperately needed, and we'll see how it works out. I- I'm very interested to see how he works with Panera.
2: We had talked about it a couple shows ago, and I remember saying Trocek was the guy to get precisely because he could be that guy in the middle that helps out the second line with Panarin and gives them a more physical presence. I should have added a caveat at the time that giving him a seven-year contract where, yes, I understand the cap hit is not going to be that drastic until later down the road, but doing so now and giving him that long is severely going to hurt your chances at dramatically improving this year. I look at those lines and how they're constructed now. Yeah, the first two lines are great. No complaints. So you really. have Kreider, Zavanajed, Laffey on the top line. Panarin and now Trocek and Kako will flesh out that second one. The bottom two lines are terrible to the point where I don't know what Sammy Blay is going to look like when he comes back from injury. I don't know if Phil Heedle is going to be what he was in the playoffs or if he's going to regress to the mean. And honestly, I don't think Kratzow is going to show up. I don't think he's going to even be worth all of the trouble he's been giving the Rangers when he does get there. And the fourth line, forget about it. You have Goudreau, Carpenter, and Reeves. I don't see much production coming out of that combination specifically. Uh, you know, maybe Gallant switches it up, but I like the signing of Trocek. I think it's something they needed to do. I just don't love the fact that now Vetrano's gone, Kopp is gone. At the time when they lost the Lightning, the discussion was, you're a Vincent Trocek away from competing for a cup legitimately and maybe winning a cup. Not that you were going to subtract and then add Trocek. That's the part that would concern me now is before you at least had an identity. We knew you weren't going to be hitting anyone out of the room. We knew you were horrible on the faceoff circle, but you had a good offensive system. Gallant made it clear he wanted a uh, dump-and-charge style of play where you're just kind of getting the puck down low, and you're hoping that Ryan Strom finds a way to hit the back of the net. He he never did. So I think Rangers fans are happy to see Strom go. But while I like that Trocek is a Ranger, I'm a little bit concerned about, all right, how are you going to make up for the offense that you lost? Because Trocek during the regular season – not a great offensive force, only a 51-point guy last year. Obviously, he's great in the playoffs, great in the forecheck, but it really will come down to can he associate himself well with Panarin on that line, and can Gallant shuffle the bottom two lines in such a way that they don't lose any production?
1: I absolutely agree, Colin. I think that what you said about it was about just adding and not then subtracting and then adding is a great point because, yeah, losing Cop and vetrano, I think in – maybe not in the long run, it won't be as terribly painful, but I do think this year they're going to be feeling that um, a bit later. I don't know. I think that I was impressed with both Cobb and Vetrano once they were acquired this year. So I think that letting them go for Vincent Trocek with, I mean, I'm not a coach. I can't tell you what to do, but I agree. I think that it was putting a lot of eggs in one basket, in a basket that is productive in the playoffs. Yes. And yes, in the regular season, but is it enough to fill those holes? I don't know, but it not only matters who is uh, out in the open. I don't even know how the frick I was trying to say that. I was like, hold on. How do I, how do I do this? I don't know. Well, viewers at home, hope you're enjoying my brain fart. Um, but Moving onward to the goalies that the Rangers have now acquired. They have acquired both Louis de Ming and Yaroslav Halak, which in the great words of one Thomas Quigley, the Rangers now have the goalie who won the longest game in MSG history, as well as the one who lost it. So I think that is very, very funny. Good, uh, good text by Quigs there. Um, but yes, they acquire Louis de Ming from the Penguins. For two years, $1.55 each year. Um, I think that he played well in that game. I mean, obviously, he won it. I think that he'll be a good third-string goalie behind Halak. He'll probably play in the AHL primarily, so I don't have too much to say about him. He's already 30, so only signing him for two years is not a crazy huge commitment What maybe worries me a little more is Yaroslav Halak as the backup because he is 37 years old. He only signed a one-year contract for 1.55 as well, but he's already 37 years old. That is getting up there in terms of NHL ages, especially. And I think having him as the backup goalie, God forbid something happens to Igor. I think that that'll be really interesting to see how he shines. He was with Vancouver this past year. Um, and he had a 0.903 save percentage and a 2.94 goals against average, but he only played 17 games with the Canucks last year. So that's not a big sample size. So we don't really know what he's been doing this past year, especially to see where he's at right now in his career. He has a 0.916 save percentage and I think like 52 shutouts. So, I mean, that's impressive in and of itself, but like I said, he's already 37 he does have that experience I think it'll be good to have him there as a veteran presence because the Rangers are generally quite a young team especially Igor being such a young goalie I think it'll be nice for him to have somebody who does have more experience who's been in the league for a long time maybe they can help each other out but I am concerned about his age honestly I don't know if that makes him more injury prone I don't know what that means but I think it'll be interesting to see him and Igor then as the tandem Colin, what are your thoughts on these two goalie signings?
2: Just let Louis Domingue be the second string goalie, please. I've seen enough of Yaroslav Halak. I don't need to watch him not save pucks again for another team. Trust me. I know in the twilight years of what was the Boston Bruins dynasty, if you could call it that, because they only won one cup. I digress there. In those years, Yaroslav Halak was awful in the playoffs. I mean, seriously, the puck would go behind the net. He'd try and bring it back out and he just froze. Yeah. He's been around the league for a long time. He still hasn't learned what to do with the puck if it gets a little bit outside of the crease. So I don't know if I trust him against teams like Carolina and Tampa Bay, who guess what? Aren't afraid to rough you up a little bit, even if you are the goalie, they will get in your grill. So I think Louis Deming has earned the right to be the second string goalie. I know that is insane to say given Halak has been in the league for so long and Louis Domingue had a cup of coffee and maybe two or three good games in the playoffs but I'm sorry if I'm the Rangers I'm taking my chances with Louis Domingue because you have Igor assuming everything's fine Igor's your guy like let's not get that twisted but I, I would put more stock into what Louis Domingue could do than what Yaroslav Halak would be scraping from the bottom of the bucket at this point of his career I mean it's incredible to me that he's found a way to leech onto so many teams. Now he's a Ranger. Like, what, what's next? Is he going to be a Canadian and really round out his career? Like, I don't understand what we were thinking here in New York to, to get Halak on the boat, but he's in New York, so I got to live with that. Hopefully the Bruins beat him 6-0 if he plays against them this year as a little bit of a comeback, you know, because they're bringing back everyone that's old. So we'll have to see what happens. But, yeah, for my money, Louis Domingue has to be your second-string goalie.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting debate between Deming and Halak. I mean, I feel like if you just look at the contracts, I feel like, I mean, there's really not an option, though. Like, you're paying Halak a million and a half dollars. Granted, it is only one year, but he's going to be the backup. And, yeah, he's definitely certainly not the goalie that he once was. And, obviously, in his coming up and, and breaking out with the Canadians. But even in his years with the Bruins, while his playoff performances were not up to standard, he was still a, a decent goalie in you know 2018 2019 and i don't i mean igor shesterkin he's gonna play 55 60 games you don't need yaroslav halak to be a world beater out there i think he'll bring a good veteran presence and not sure how i feel about you know paying a backup goalie 1.5 million dollars especially considering the rangers cap situation but they needed a backup obviously it's only one year teams were paying for goalies this year. So I guess, you know, the market kind of just inflated it. And real quick, not to like completely digress to our previous conversation, but I just want to say something briefly about Vitron. I think while I would have loved to keep Frank Vitron, I think people are kind of overrating his presence. And he got, I think he got close to $4 million from the Anaheim Ducks. I mean, the Rangers simply could I don't know if it was the Ducks. I might be confusing him with Strong, but he got close to $4 million. It was the Ducks. He got close to $4 million though. I think it was like 3.75. I mean, the Rangers just, can't afford to give him that. This is a guy who, yes, he had an amazing 30-game stretch with the Rangers. He fit in great on that top line. This is also a guy who has not scored 40 points in his entire career. I don't think with the in the position the Rangers in, needing to pay Lafreniere Heedle, Kako, DeAndre Miller, Braden Schneider, they have all these guys are gonna have to pay. I don't think signing a guy like Frank Vetrano, to a contract like that was ever in the cards. Yeah. I mean, if he's willing to take a one or two year deal for one or $2 million, I would have loved to have him back, but I don't think that, I mean, if you look at the contract, when I saw the contract he got, I was like, okay, yeah, there's no way the Rangers are going to match that. I don't think he is necessarily earning of that money, Um, but we'll see. But I think people might just be overblowing the Vetrano loss a little bit. I mean, this was a guy you traded for, I mean, it was a throwaway. The, the Panthers practically gave him away for a fourth round pick at the trade deadline. So I think that's a kind of player that that's the perfect trade acquisition. You can get a guy for a mid-round pick that you fit into your lineup. I don't think that's a guy you go and pay 10, $12 million over a few years in free agency.
1: Totally. Wow. Thanks for circling back. I enjoyed that. The first Maybe of what I hope... In. Oh, no, I like it. The first of what I hope will be many uh, Tyler Mooney rants today. Um, I don't feel like it, that was a rant no, it wasn't a rant. It was just a, a monologue. Might <laughs> okay, I say, yes. I, <laughs> I didn't want to hear monologues from you both today. That's a, for our last episode, for those of you that don't know at home, this will probably be our last episode, uh, until we hit like end of September because not too much else to talk about. There's only a few more free agents left to sign. So it'll be the off season and training camp now. Anyways, circling back one more Rangers, uh, new sign that I would like to talk about. Ty Emberson acquired from the Coyotes. um, And he played in the AHL this past year. I mean, uh, he was traded for Patrick Nemeth and Nemeth only had two goals and five assists in 53 regular season games with the Rangers. Someone that I was reading, when I was reading about this, someone said that he was offloaded to the Coyotes with additions of draft picks. I think it was two draft picks in like 2024 and 2025, maybe um so that the rangers didn't have to retain any of his salary and i think that's right and honestly i think it's a good idea because in my opinion you can trade your way back into the draft you can always in the future at the deadline you can trade for draft picks you can find your way back especially into the fourth or fifth round of the draft that's i feel like that's not quite as hard to find your way back into a spot there but it is very hard to deal with someone who is not producing at the level you want them to and eating up two and a half million dollars of cap space like Nemeth was. Um, But yeah, Ty Emberson was acquired from the Coyotes. He, in the AHL this past year, when he played for the Tucson Roadrunners, uh, he had four goals and 11 assists. I don't, I can't honestly say that I've seen too much of Ty Emerson. I don't have that much uh, in my personal lexicon of him to go off of but I will say I think Namath will be a good veteran presence in Arizona as they keep building towards this everlasting rebuild that seems like it is just going on for ages and ages and hopefully he'll be a nice grounding presence as they head to a college arena this next year which I still think is incredibly silly. Um, Nemeth will get to play his old team on Halloween weekend at Arizona State University. So I think that will be very funny. Colin, what are your thoughts on the Ty Emerson situation?
2: Well, as far as getting rid of Patrick Nemeth is concerned, that seems like the smarter thing to do. If you're the Rangers, uh, I'm waiting for the, the Pat Nemeth billboards at the coyotes new home. Uh, maybe that'll happen now that he's uh, out of New York and gets a more important role somewhere else. I think that's the one position where Rangers men should not be concerned at all. You have Adam Fox, Braden Snyder's looking really good, Truba's still around. So I think if they were gonna necessarily upgrade any position, it was never gonna be the defensive pairings. They're they're looking pretty good there. So as long as you were able to subtract someone that was not producing the way they should have been, that's good in my book.
0: Yeah, they definitely needed to get rid of someone. Again, if you look at their cap space, and Nemeth was the obvious candidate, just was not worth his contract really at all this past year. Um, and hopefully he can turn it around. I think there was maybe some off-ice stuff that was going on with him because he was pretty good. He was, he was good, really good with the Red Wings. And then he was on the abs last year, and he was also not that bad and just completely fell off a cliff this year. I, I don't know really what happened with him. So hopefully he can – Turn things around. And the one and only thing I know about Ty Emerson is that he was allegedly Keandre Miller's D partner in college. So that's always good. Clearly they're 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 good buds. Um and maybe, maybe that'll work out. But the Rangers definitely have good defensive depth. And uh it was it was important, necessary, I'd say, to get rid of Nemeth's
2: contract.
1: I agree. I think in the cap era, you gotta free up all that you can to get these high paying people, especially when you want stars on your team, you got to pay them like stars. Speaking of stars, let's move to perhaps the top free agent, one Johnny hockey, Mr. Johnny Gaudreau, which this was the saga for the ages online about where he was going to sign. The devils were in conversation. The flyers were in conversation. The uh, Islanders were in conversation and he ended up going to the place that I never expected Columbus, Ohio, Um, I did audibly giggle when I read that, or I think I went what, because I was just shocked to say the least. Uh, that's not where I thought he would end up. I thought that Columbus was really just something in the rumor mill, not, um, an actual contender, but Johnny Gaudreau has signed with the blue jackets. He turned down what apparently was a very large offer from the devils north of 10 million AAV. Like he could have been getting 11 or 12. Turned that down to go play in Columbus. Still got quite a large contract, obviously, but he left a large chunk of money on the table. And I mean, I would have loved to have seen what he would have looked like in Jersey or even in Long Island. I don't think that the Islanders were able to clear the uh, cap space for him. He is obviously a very expensive player. He's one of the best. Henceforth, he couldn't, they, uh, they couldn't afford him. But he, I'm intrigued as to well you two think he ended up choosing Columbus. I mean, he said he wanted to be closer to home. So he leaves Canada and he's from South Jersey. So as we know, he was a Flyers fan growing up, but he was offered a huge spot on the Devils that is close to home. And yet he left a very large amount of cash behind to go play in Ohio. And he said he believes that, the, that Columbus has a team that can win. And he thinks that They'll find a cup there somehow, which I'm not sure that that'll happen in this year, at least for sure. But he's signed on for the next many. So I guess, Tyler, will start with you. Do you, a few things. Number one, general thoughts. Number two, do you actually think that Columbus, Ohio, the Blue Jackets are a team that can win with Johnny Gaudreau on it? And three, would he have been better suited in Long Island or New Jersey instead, or even in Philly, though I know they could not afford him?
0: Yeah, it was definitely a shock to see him go to Columbus. I think even Yarmo Kekalainen, the GM for the Blue Jackets, said they didn't actually think it was a legit possibility until later in the afternoon on July 13th, where they are like, oh, like we actually might be able to get this done. Um, I think Johnny Gaudreau made it very clear when he turned down the offer from the Calgary Flames that this was not going to be about money. You couldn't just throw the most money at him and get him. Because at the end of the day, Calgary offered him north of $10 million. And they were able to give him the extra year because they already had him. So they were offering him an eight year, 10 plus million dollar contract. So at the end of the day, if he wanted the most money, he would have stayed in Calgary because they could have given him the most. He chose not to do that. So it was clear that he was looking for the right fit. And while yeah, I thought he was going to end up in New Jersey. I think New Jersey would have been the most fun to see him out of all the places it would have been really fun to see him in new jersey and play with like a jack hughes or nico he's um but at the end of the day from everything he said i think he was really just sold on columbus from everyone he talked to i know he talked a lot to cam atkinson who used to play with the blue jackets they're really good buds and i think i mean from what it's served, Gaudreau was just completely sold on the culture in columbus the atmosphere and now he gets to play he, one of the, if not the best passer in the game, gets to play with one of the, if not the best shot in the game in Patrick Laine. That is going to be an incredible duo for Columbus. Do I think they're a playoff team yet? No, but you now have two elite players. I know they still need to get Laine's contract done, but they will get that done. Um, so now you have two elite players that perfectly complement each other. Playing on a top line, that is what every team dreams of. Johnny Gaudreau had 90 of his 115 points at even strength this year. That was the most in the national hockey league. So this guy, isn't some power play specialist. He can really do it all on the power play, but also on even strength. He's good defensively. He has a great shot. I mean, he's, he's the ideal player you want and to get him for Columbus is so huge for that franchise because Yarmouk Kikalein was saying he Columbus and we all know Columbus has been getting beaten up pretty badly the last few years as a destination that people don't want to play. You know, you had Pierre-Luc Dubois wanted out a bunch of those players from that Columbus team that they went all in and beat the Lightning. None of them really re-signed. There was rumors that Line a might even want out. So line was saying, you know, that that pissed me off when I read that, that people were saying no one wants to come to Columbus. So for that franchise to get one of the the premier free agent of this class, that's just it's, – it's one of the biggest days in that franchise's history. Granted, they haven't had many big ones, but hopefully – this will be the start of something new for Columbus and definitely a shock, but it's going to be so much fun to watch Cadrill play with Laine.
2: Yeah, him and Laine are going to be something special to watch, but that's really not where my head immediately went when I heard about this signing. Immediately, I thought, I guess he's just trying to get away from the high taxes in Jersey or having to go to Philadelphia and play with D'Angelo. I don't know how Jersey and Philly botched this up so horribly. Because I can't see anything about Columbus that screams to me, I want to go play there, and that's where I'm going to win a cup. Like, I don't think that's – it doesn't seem logical if I'm Johnny Gaudreau. You just had a great run with the Flames. Now, were they ever going to really beat the Abs? Probably not. But they're a good team. You had a chance. And it feels like you're downgrading now. Like, I'm sorry to say, like, I know people in Columbus are happy. You deserve to be happy you're not winning a cup in the next three years, unless you make some drastic moves and wheel and deal your way in free agency in another year or at the trade deadline. It's not happening. Look around the East right now. You have the Rangers, you have the devils who are going to be an upstart team, a team like Boston's always around the capitals now have a goalie that's serviceable. So there's a lot going on. The lightning on going away. I don't understand what Johnny Gaudreau's motive was specifically for going to Columbus. Because if it was about winning a cup, it probably would have been Jersey or you could have made the argument about Philadelphia because they've proven that they're at least willing to do something more than what Columbus has done. Other than the one year, Tyler, as you mentioned, that they went all in. So I I don't quite get it. I think this is both good and bad for the sport of hockey. I I think it's very similar to the whole Mike Trout thing in baseball where you're going to have this great guy and he's going to be stuck in a team that's not going anywhere. And that's good in that it's a small market. Well, it's a little bit different in baseball because Trout's in LA and you need good players in small market teams at times. But it's also very bad in that you might not see this guy in the playoffs. It is fully possible that Columbus just is a first-round exit if they make it at all. So I got it for Johnny Gaudreau. I'm happy you went where you wanted. You should be thrilled. But I don't know if it increases your chances legacy-wise of winning a cup, winning multiple cups, you might win a heart, but we'll find out.
1: Yeah. I've, I've got to agree. I mean, he said, Johnny Joe said that he had Columbus circled quote unquote on his list of teams he would want to go to in free agency. And he said that he's like, ever since like, I never been to Columbus before. And then I went and I was like, wow, what a great place to play and what great fans and what an awesome city. And I don't know. There's a very funny video of the cannon sounding after someone scores a goal and him like cringing. (laughs) And I was like, I mean, I would too, like, I'm not faulting him for that. I would too, if I heard a cannon sound when I was in a hockey arena. Okay. But, uh, he said, now I want to hear that sound blasting all the time. So good for Johnny Gaudreau, I guess I feel the same though. I feel like this is not maybe helping his chances of winning a cup in the next three to five years, perhaps. I mean, he's, young enough. He's 20, what, eight, seven, 28. He's 28. He's young enough. He's got some time, but still it's like, if you want to win the next couple of years, I don't know if I would choose Columbus as the place to be, but he said he sees a lot of potential. I don't know. I really thought that he would have ended up with the devils or flyers primarily. I guess he did not. Tyler, you said you had some thoughts on this, especially.
0: Yeah. I mean, Columbus Columbus is a great atmosphere. Like that is one of the best fan bases in the NHL. That team has stunk for basically its entire existence. And they are still, they show up every game. And Gaudreau said that he's like, every time I went and played in Columbus, I was like, this is a really fun place to play. So good for them. He went to a place that he's going to end up loving. Um, But let's call, let's, let's call it what it is here. This was not the number one place he wanted to go. The number one place that he wanted to go was to the Philadelphia Flyers. He was telling his family that he was telling his friends that we've been talking about this for, I'm literally not exaggerating before Johnny Gaudreau signed his long contract with the flames. This has been a five, six year thing. If this guy ever hits the open market, he's going to want to go to Philly. He's going to want to go to the flyers. I can't believe the flyers messed this up. You mentioned Mike Trout, Colin. This is like, if Mike Trout became a free agent and the Phillies were like, what they were completely unprepared. Everyone knows if Mike Trout were to become a free agent, he would come to the Phillies. He, he grew up, he's a huge Philly guy. He loves the Eagles. He, he was, grew up a Phillies fan. And this is the exact same situation with Johnny Gaudreau. The Flyers, a, cu- a couple things come at from this angle. A, you knew this guy was going to be a free agent for a while. Anyone who was paying attention this entire year had a pretty good sense that Johnny Gaudreau was at least not going to immediately re-sign with the Calgary Flames. He was going to test his options. The Flyers' season was over by New Year's. The team stunk. They were garbage. They had six months to clear the cap space for this guy, and you couldn't do it? You had six months to try and clear the contract of James Van Riemsdijk, and you couldn't do it. You weren't willing to give up the necessary picks that you would have to do to get rid of that contract, which, by the way, I don't want to pat myself on the back too hard here, but my Flyer fan friends will know I hated that JVR contract from day one. And now that is the primary reason that they did not get Johnny Gaudreau. Number two, this team has around four million dollars of cap space at this moment. So you would have needed six more million dollars of cap space to sign Johnny Gaudreau. Huh? Let's take a look here. Oh, you just overpaid for Tony D'Angelo and then signed him to a five million dollar contract a few days ago. That's five million dollars right there. And then you just gave Nick Delorier, who is never met the guy, probably will never meet the guy, not a great hockey player, not a good hockey player, I would say. You gave him nearly $2 million for not one, not two, not three, four years. What are you doing, Chuck Fletcher? There's your Johnny Gaudreau money right there. Congrats, Philly. You got Tony D'Angelo and Nick Laurier instead of Johnny Gaudreau. This team has completely lost the fan base. I can say that from just following a bunch of people from Philly on Twitter, talking to my Flyers friends. Philadelphia wants nothing to do with the Flyers right now. This team's going to stink next year. Ticket sales are going to be awful. Trust me when I say that. They are owned by Comcast, who doesn't give a damn about hockey at all. They, they, this team needs to rebuild, and Comcast just, they, they're straddling the line. They, they won't rebuild, but they won't go out and spend the money on a guy like Johnny Gaudreau. I don't think Chuck Fletcher is a good GM. I mean, he's a guy who he didn't even want the coach that they hired. What? Like what is how is this guy your general manager? Apparently I haven't seen the press conference yet. He had a press conference yesterday and apparently he was getting like he was getting torched, especially by Charlie O'Connor. I believe he's the Flyers athletic guy who, if you don't follow him on Twitter, great follow on Twitter, he has been just going after the Flyers. In the past few weeks just like what are you guys doing this franchise this was one of the worst mess ups i'll say it politely mess ups that i've seen the team make in free agency for a long time because at the end of the day johnny gaudreau is going to be happy in columbus he wants to be in columbus he, he said it he had good reasoning but if all things were equal and he had 32 teams to pick from the nhl and they said pick one team he would have picked the philadelphia flyers and the fact that they were unable to make space for him. When's the last time a big free agent wanted to come to the Flyers like that? I can't remember. You had a guy from an area that doesn't necessarily produce that many great hockey players. This is a homegrown talent who's loved your team growing up, and you just can't find a way to sign him, especially when you've known for so long that this was going to happen. So I don't know. I actually feel some pity for Flyers fans. All my Flyer fan friends, of course, we always go back and forth. They chirp me about the Rangers. They chirp. I chirp them about the Flyers, but there there were some, there were some dejected people in Philly the the last few days. And I, I just can't believe the Flyers a didn't sign Johnny Gaudreau, but then B with the signings, they made just just make no sense for the stage that this team is at. So that's my Flyers rant. I mean, I don't think the Devils really messed anything up. I think they just didn't, they just didn't get the guy they were going for. I, I don't think you can really fault them. They offered the money. It's a great playing situation. I think he just, for the reasons he laid out, wanted to play in Columbus. But whew, this, is a, this is not a good look for the Flyers. It's literally like if Mike Trout became a free agent and the Phillies were unprepared and then just, like, didn't sign him. Or like when Bryce Harper wanted to come to the Phillies, it'd be like the Phillies had messed that up somehow. It's, I can't wrap my head around it. It's shocking. So that's my Flyers rant.
1: It's like the very full monologue. I love, that was a rant. See, that one was was a rant. That was a rant. That was a rant, not just a monologue, but I agree. I completely agree. I think that they mucked this one up so bad. And I'm like, how, like, you he wants to come to your team, a team that, like you said, has been bad for the last while. You have one of the greatest players in hockey at the moment wanting to join your team, like hoping to. And somehow telling everyone,
0: telling his family, telling, friends, telling I want to come home. I want to like, he's been saying for years, I want to come home.
1: And somehow you mess that up. It'd be one thing if it was like, oh, there the Flyers are trying to get Nathan McKinnon and he chooses not to sign. With them because then you're like okay boo you didn't get the guy whatever but like he has no reason to go there Johnny Joe has every reason in the world to go there right and yet somehow they could not make it happen I just it's laughable almost I mean Colin and I were we were both giggling during uh rant there because it's just it is laughable like When you mess something up that bad, you miss such a superstar in that way, especially as a team who's been struggling and could really have benefited from that. The choice you make is Tony D'Angelo, who has some interesting comments made about him both on and off the ice. So I don't know. Intriguing. But I guess you were talking about how Jersey didn't really miss out. Well, they missed out, obviously, but they're not really at fault here. I mean, they tried. They offered the biggest contracts they could. They did their best he just didn't want to go to Jersey, whatever, that's fine. Someone that Jersey did get is one honor Palat from the Tampa Bay Lightning, which this was very much so a free agency signing that did surprise me. I did not expect this one at all. I especially didn't expect Palat to go to Jersey, but I'm not mad about it. I'm actually pleasantly surprised. As someone who spent a lot of time watching the Devils last year, I think that they will benefit greatly from his presence. I think that they'll benefit a lot from having someone on the team who has won two Stanley Cups in recent years and made it to the finals for a third year in a row. I think having someone who has had that experience recently is inspiring and it pushes the entire team to be better, to do better. Not that they're not trying, I'm not trying to say that, but it's hard when you could just tell if you watch the Devils press conferences, if you watch the post game, everything from that team, how dejected they are when it's the seventh loss in a row, or when it's the 10th loss in a row at home, back to back to back to back, or when it's finally a win, and then it's a loss the next game again, you can tell how dejected they are. And I think that that attitude, not attitude, but that feeling does hurt them in the long run, because it's not a feeling of why should I try anymore, but rather it's just like, it's hard when you know you're not making the postseason. You don't have too much to be playing for, right? But having a guy who has made the postseason for a number of years recently, who has won the Stanley Cup twice, who was, I think, the sixth-place uh, vote for the... Uh, for Conn Smythe. Was it the Conn Smythe? Yeah, yeah, it was the Conn Smythe. Yeah, yeah he was, it was something. I can remember. It was Conn Smythe. He was the sixth-place vote for the Conn Smythe. And I mean, Colin and I both spoke very highly of him. We both gave him our vote for the Conn Smythe, right? When they were playing the Avs this year, having someone of that caliber on the team, playing with Nico Heesher, playing with Dawson Mercer, playing with Jack Hughes, I think will be incredibly beneficial. He signed a five-year, six-million-a-year contract with them. So he's there for a while, theoretically. And I really do think he's been such a rock star. I think he'll be a really solid veteran presence. He's one of only three forwards on the team over the age of 30. So, I think he will be a really good addition. I'm very excited to see how he plays in Jersey. I like him a lot as a player. I like what he can do. I like how strong he is. I like how sure he is of himself. And I think that will help a lot with a team that I saw this year questioning themselves a lot, making a lot of passes they didn't need to make because they didn't want to take the shot. Plot's not that guy. I think he's sure of himself. He's had the experience to know who he is, know what he can do. And I think bringing that to Jersey will be awesome. And I mean, Colin, I guess, like, do you think that Jersey will be a good fit for him? Do you think that we'll see the production out of him that we saw the past couple of years? Cause I, I'm really excited. I think he can do a lot there.
2: The Devils got their version of Mika Zavadajad in Andre Plot. That's how I see him impacting the devils. Not so much in that their play styles are exactly the same. They're not. I think Mika is a better defensive presence overall, but if you want someone who's noticeable, On every offensive shift, Palat is your guy. We had said that the Lightning would be fools to let him walk, and sure enough, he is no longer a Tampa Bay uh, Lightning player. He's now with the Devils. I think everything that that team was really looking for from a philosophical on-ice point of view, they're going to get in Andre Palat. I think he helps them offensively. He has a big, nasty shot. Good pass or two. I think that's an underrated part of his game. There were times where him and Kucherov had like a magical connection out there. It'll be interesting to see what the Devils find in plot in that way because he's going to have a lot of guys around him that can score, a lot of guys around him that can start the forecheck. I think it makes sense on every level. It'll be fascinating to see how they wheel and deal the actual lines and see what they can put out there against other teams because like we've been talking about, that East is packed. You're going to have to be creative if you're making a playoff run this year or if you plan to make a serious cup run in the next couple of years, because you've got some young guys. Isher you sure he's still around. So, I mean, I, I like it for New Jersey.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. When you say like the philosophical experience locker room thing that New Jersey was looking for, Andre plot fits this bill. Um, as a Rangers fan, I, I do not like that. He is on the devils. This guy has tortured my existence in the playoffs twice now. And now I, the Rangers have to play him what, six times a year, however many times you play your division's opponent. So this is a guy you can play up and down the lineup. The Devils definitely struggled with some injuries this year, so he can, you know, fill in on the top line. He's probably more more well fit on the second line or third line, but he'll be able to play up and down if there's injuries. Maybe if you just look straight, like, dollar value to production, some people might say, oh, it's a little bit of an overpay, but what this guy's going to bring experience-wise – He wins Stanley Cups. He knows how to win. He's a clutch playoff performer, as we've seen. I think this was a great contract for New Jersey, and it's the kind of player that you need when you want to take that next step. It reminds me of the Rangers signing Barkley Goodrow last summer. You need that guy who knows how to win, who's done it before, who can teach a younger locker room the things to do and the things not to do. And Andre Palat can be that guy for New Jersey. I think this year might still be a little early for playoff expectations for them, but Definitely in the coming two, three years, New Jersey should be making the playoffs and Palat is going to be huge in helping them when they get to that point.
1: I agree. I said that this whole season that I think give them two years and I think they'll be set. They need to solve the goalie situation, which they're trying to do this year as well. They've signed uh, Vanacek from the Capitals now as a goalie. I think that that'll be exciting. They're saying that Blackwood should be back, although I have doubts about that, but we can save that for... Later, we can save that for next season and we see what's really happening there. But I mean, the Devils are genuinely trying to put together a roster that can make a run. They let go of a fair number of people in this free agency Let go of like, uh, well, Pavel Zaka other people like that. But, which we'll touch on that in a second. But I think that what they're trying to build is a really strong core. And I think you have it in Nico Hesher, Dawson Mercer, Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, Jesper Brat's little brother now, which I think is very fun. Um, and now you have Andre Pilat, So I think that, I think they're doing what they can. I think that Jersey is being smart, making smart choices. I'm excited to see how this plays out. And if nothing else, it'll be really fun to see some absolute superstars on the ice in Hughes and Palat on the same team. We all know that I think Jack Hughes is fantastic. And I'm really excited to see that continue and now see how having this person who is so highly accomplished recently, how that pushes everyone to be better and pushes this standard of excellence, which I'm excited to see the devils uphold. Um, but like I said, there have been a lot of moves made by the devils as well. One of which I don't need to spend too long on this, perhaps Pavel Zaka goes to the Bruins. Um, and yeah, moves traded in in a one-to-one exchange for Eric Halla, which I mean, I think I'm excited about in general because Pavel Zaka was drafted six overall. Everyone had really high hopes for him and not that he was unproductive, but I just don't think he was quite as productive as everyone hoped that he would be. A lot of people online were saying, good, let him go. We're getting better things in return. I'm excited about that. And he said that He's already received a lot of calls from players on the Bruins squad. He, his fiance is from Boston. He trains in the summers in Boston. He feels at home there. So I wish him well. I don't have too much to say about that one in particular, but I hope he does well there. I think he will. I think he'll fit in really well. He said he is also excited to play with Patrice Bergeron. If Bergeron resigns his contract, which I am 95% sure he will. I don't know where else he would go personally. Um, But yeah, and well, I guess this will now be the transition to this as well, is that uh, Krejci might be coming back. David Krejci has said that he has been in talks with the Bruins higher ups about returning. He played for 15 years on the squad, and then he recently went home to the Czech Republic to play, said he wanted to play in front of his family and be closer to home. But now he might be back. And apparently there are talks about him returning. And I don't know. Colin, you seemed excited about this one.
2: He better come back. I mean, (laughs) oh, you went to the Czech. The year he went to the Czech Republic was the worst year to do so in terms of this team's championship hopes, because every year it just gets thinner and thinner and thinner. The gap gets like closer closer to closing. And Don Sweeney has not helped matters by basically telling fans, oh, no, we're making one more run at it. And that's been the conversation every year now. I think this is the work they're closer this year than they were last year. If Krejci comes back, that's, that's where I'm at now and looking at the Bruins, as you guys know, I have many feelings about the, the Zaka, the Pavel Zaka trade. Uh, I think it's probably a good thing that they swapped Hala for him. Hala never really fit in the locker room. He was not the type of guy that was particularly well embraced by others like Bergeron and Marchand. I think Zasha will be, um, But if creation comes back, this team is going to be willing to compete and they might make even more moves at the trade deadline because that's where Boston is right now. Like they are not building for any type of future. They're building for one more cup, the cup that they probably should have got in 2019. They are. That is the goal. It's very much like where the abs were last year. The difference is that the abs were younger and they had more going on for them. Boston is just running the old men out there one more time and hoping they have enough left in the tank, which now that you have a younger goaltender in Swayman, you might. Like, I didn't think so before because I didn't know what Swayman was going to be. It was very unclear. It was murky for a little while. But Swayman is a legitimate Vesna contender down the road. I believe that. I think he's that type of goaltender. He'll be in the same conversation as Igor in another five years. That's a hot take. I am not backing down on that. I think he's that type of goalie. Krejci comes back. That top line gets flushed out. You're going to have a semi-perfection line back in order. It's not going to be what it was, but it'll it'll be consistent at least. When you have Bergeron and Krejci, you're guaranteed consistency night in, night out. So up in Boston, really the only thing that I can complain about right now is that Cassidy's not the coach. I didn't like the fact that they let him go. I hate that he's in Vegas now. He should still be the Bruins coach. Nothing against Montgomery, but I would have rather had them do this last dance-esque run with the guy that's been there before. Like, yeah, give me the guy that lost to St. Louis. Give me the guy that lost a game seven against the Blues in TD Garden. I want him to be the coach because he understands more than anybody else what this team has been through. The President's Trophy, winners in the bubble year, you get scraped in the playoffs. Thank you, Horoslav Halak. Thank you so much for that experience as a Bruins fan to comes back everyone's excited and he goes out the door thank you so much for leaving in the middle of the season and then swayman matured in that time so that might have been the good unintended consequence of that happening but i'm very excited about david craigie coming back because it just adds another layer of depth that they didn't have before i like limholm and mcavoy neither of them by themselves are game changers like a mccarr or fox but together they could be really good and i have high hopes for connor clifton still so if this is it, put all of the chips on the table. Do not back away from anything. This is the year. I don't want to hear about this next year as a Bruins fan. I'm sick and tired. This is the year. You cannot continually do this and keep telling fans we're making one last run if it never ends. Bergeron, retire after this year. I mean, good Lord, man, I feel bad for you. I mean, I sometimes. It's the same thing with Shara. I'm all for it. Let's bring Chara back. I've heard whispers about this on Bruins Twitter of people saying, you know, maybe they'll sign Sedeno Chara. Not that he's going to be like particularly useful, but it's just, it's one of those things where fans want to see that core for one more run. And I'm all for it. Like, if that's what we're going for and that's the vibe of the season, do it this year. I'm not about it for another three years. Just rebuild the whole thing. People in Boston deserve another run at a cup and they deserve a dynasty. That's going to continue on. And you don't do that by running out the old men continually year after year. One more chance. We can all get over it. Keep Swayman. Keep McAvoy. That's it. This is the last year. I don't want to hear about it anymore. If you don't win the cup this year, I will forever be mad about 2019. That's it. This is the last run.
0: Yeah, this is definitely the last run. I mean, a combination. First, I saw that these Krejci and Bergeron deals are probably – One year deals. So that lends credence. Yeah, that that lends credence to this is the year. But combine the Bruins agent core with, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, the moves that Ottawa and Detroit made. If those teams don't catch Boston this year, I'm telling you, they're catching them the following year. So this is really it for the Bruins. I agree that Bruce Cassidy is a great coach, but I'm now, as the weeks have passed that he's been fired. And you see David Krejci now is coming back from the Czech Republic. Jake DeBrusque has now rescinded his trade request. He wants to stay in Boston now. I'm starting to wonder if maybe Bruce Cassidy was a little bit more right. of a problem in that locker room than there it may whispers. have seemed.
2: There were whispers yeah. about that in Boston media, that he was not the best um, pat on the back type of coach. He reminds me of Gallant in that way. My only concern would be what are we getting now in Montgomery because Boston was never built on an identity that was overly offensive I mean it's, it's the tales all this time big bad Bruins you got to be good on the forecheck, check and they were that for years and years obviously after 2019 something snapped with Cassidy I think he started playing the starters way more than he was accustomed to the shift times got increasingly longer for guys like Bergeron and Krejci part of me thinks that's why Krejci took the year off because he wanted to kind of, all right, I'm still playing hockey, but let me take a breather because that was an intense workload for him in Boston. Pasternak was not what anyone thought he was going to be last year. So hopefully he bounces back, but yeah, there's definitely been some whispers about what Cassidy's impact was in that locker room. My only thing would be, is it going to be harder now to get these guys psyched up about one last run with a new coach? Cause he's coming in there thinking I'm going to be here for a while and it doesn't help that Sweeney and Neely and everyone in the front office like oh well you know (laughs) he's gonna be around for a while so even when these guys are done and it's just McAvoy and and Jim Montgomery still your guy I'm not sure that helps for the vibe of this season so that's that's what I'm trying to get across here Bruins are in a one-year mentality this is not about two years this is about one year if you don't win this year it's not happening for another 20 years I'm gonna be Dead by the time they win another cup, so we. Jesus, we'll, we'll, find, we'll find. Oh no, <laughs> you're gonna be dead in twenty years, Colin. You're gonna be like forty. <laughs> this is what the Bruins do. They they make you crazy about winning. They just, it's ah, it's frustrating. It's worse than the Rangers because the Bruins find a way to lose in a way that is just infuriating. At least the Rangers lose to the Lightning. They lose to a team that's very, very good. The Bruins lose to a Blues team. See, I'm talking about 2019 again. They lose to a Blues team in game seven in their home arena. So this is what happens. One more run. Just give me that. I can croak happily. Win one more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> real, quick, saying- real quick before, because I know we still have a lot more to talk about. This is what happens <laughs> to these damn Boston fans. Man. They win <laughs> so many titles. They go like two years, three years without a title. And they start ripping their hair out. Meanwhile, my you're Rangers you're... have won one cup in uh, eighty years. These the Eagles just won their first in sixty. Phillies are they've won? Phillies have won two championships. They've been around since eighteen eighty four. <laughs> like these Boston yeah, fans, Colin. man, come on! <laughs> well, you don't know not, how good not. you I've, got
2: it. They know how to build teams, though. See, that's the thing. People, in Philadelphia how teams how good got to learn,
0: it, man. Yeah, we do need to learn.
2: <laughs> you, you know, I'm such a big 76ers fan too, Tyler. Oh, Dr.
1: J is just my shirt.
0: i I'm wearing a Jimmy Butler shirt right now. We'll, another
1: we'll mess you. up. <laughs> another mess up. Wow. I love how passionate this episode has gotten. I didn't know if he'd get this passionate. We have Colin saying he's going to die before the Bruins <laughs> win another cup. We have Tyler saying, suck it up. At least you have a cup. We have everyone just fighting right now, which I think is hilarious. Personally, I'm happy. My team won a cup this year. I watched it. I was alive. Oh, boo-hoo, Tyler. Hey, I'm I'm doing well, but that's just me. Although I will say all of my other teams that I root for like don't do that well. Like, let's we forget I am a Raiders fan. So I'm not exactly doing great there. But there's promise for this season. But anyways, this is not NFL Friday. This is five on three. Back to hockey. (laughs) Um Like you said, Boston, they have one year. This is their window. Otherwise, it's going to be a hot minute. But you said, you mentioned a couple teams that I do want to talk about, the Senators and the Red Wings, because you said that if those teams, if Ottawa and Detroit don't catch Boston this year, they will next year. And I think that is absolutely true, Tyler, because let's, if we're talking about the Senators first, they've just signed Claude Giroux who I have a very soft spot in my heart for Claude Giroux. I think he's awesome. And I think he deserves to win a cup right now. I mean, got traded. He played for the Flyers for his entire career, goes to the Panthers. Everyone is heartbroken about that, at least in Philly, probably. And then for the hopes of winning a cup, and then they get knocked out and no cup in sight for him at all. Now he's going to the Senators, which has been a notoriously terrible team. Just, I don't, I like no offense to the Senators, Peace, love, and positivity. I know you're doing your best, but like a notoriously bad team for years, for a long time. Um, I just, I remember Matt Duchesne getting traded to the Senators because he said, I want to play playoff hockey. The Avalanche are not playing playoff hockey. That year, the Avs made the playoffs. and The Senators did not. That is just a memory that forever will stick in my brain. But Giroux has now signed with the Ottawa Senators, three year, six and a half million AAV. I hope it serves him well. Honestly, he wanted to get on a team with a direct shot at the cup. He did with the Panthers. Like I said, it did not go at all according to plan. Now he's in Ottawa and this franchise has been struggling for a second, but they have made a lot of moves recently An absolute, like, I don't know. They have been really trying to get back in the game in this free agency and during the draft with trades and everything. I mean, we talked about the uh, Alex Debrinket Debrinkit, Debrinket. However, the Frick, oh, see, I was going to say to it and then my brain went cat and I went to cat. Anyways, everyone at home can flame me on Twitter for it. Go ahead. I don't really care. Tyler already flamed me privately and publicly. So <laughs> um, they've acquired him, Cam Talbot, and now they have some cut flexibility. So I think that they're actually really trying to build a roster that could make a solid run. Do I think it'll happen this year? Maybe, maybe not. But like you said, Maybe next year they will actually be able to. It's his hometown team. Hometown team. Wow, uh, that's hard to say. From when he was young, he grew up in Ontario, so seeing him back in Canada, I think, is really exciting. And it's a team that is rebuilding. They made a lot of moves, like I said. So I don't know. I I'm excited. I hope it serves him well. I really hope he gets a shot at winning a cup sometime in the near future. I don't know if it'll be the Senators, but I, I, I wish Claude Giroux very well. Colin, do you think that Claude Giroux actually has a chance at getting a cup in Ottawa? Is this what he deserves? And is this what this team is missing? Honestly, like, do you think that him and all the different acquisitions Cam Talbot, everything is going to make a significant difference in this next season? Or do you think it's just kind of all for naught? I
2: think it pushes them closer to being a playoff team. I don't think it necessarily gives them a chance at a cup this year. Again, we've been talking about it the entire show. Look at that East. Until the East gets to a point where it's not greatly competitive and it kind of just flounders, like a little bit of what the West is right now where there's just a lot of great teams at the top and then a few that are kind of bottom dwellers, I think we're getting to that point in the East, but it's not not on our doorstep. Yet. So when it gets to that point, then Otto was in that conversation because talent wins out at that point in time when it gets to top and bottom and there's no middle class of teams, if you will. So right now, because there's such a big middle presence in that conference, I don't think Otto was in that conversation, but he definitely pushes them closer. Claude Giroux is a transformative player, really great scorer, really great defensive guy, good in the locker room, everything you could want from a, a star caliber talent. Not what he was at one time in Philadelphia, but it doesn't matter. For what Ottawa's trying to build collectively, I like what Claude Giroux brings to the table. I'm a little surprised he went to Ottawa personally, knowing that he wants to win a cup at some point. He's one of those guys that I look at, and it doesn't seem to be about the money at first glance. So, again, I think good playoff chances down the down the road, not in year one to win a cup, but anything's possible, I suppose.
0: Yeah, this is a, a great signing for Ottawa. I mean, I I agree that I don't think this is the year for them. I think they still have some work to do on the defensive side. Um, but that top six, Kachuk, Norris, Batherson, DeBrinket, Stutzla, Giroux. That's, I mean, that's as good a top six as you're going to be able to find in the league. So this team will be able to score some goals. And I agree that I was surprised that he went to Ottawa. And at the same time, I'm also not as surprised. You mentioned that it's his hometown team, Sam. Claude Giroux comes across as a guy where location means maybe a little bit more to him than it does to some other guys. Not saying that he doesn't want to win. Of course, he wants to win. But this was a guy who ultimately chose the Florida Panthers over the Colorado Avalanche because he wanted to be on the East Coast. He wanted to still be closer to his family in Philadelphia. He didn't want to leave Philadelphia. He basically had to leave. He he was like, okay, like this team needs to trade me. I want to go win. Um, So going back home to his hometown team in Ottawa, I think that makes sense if you know Claude Giroux and just the things that he believes in and what he values. So $6.5 million too. That's a pretty reasonable contract only three years. So it's not like you're locking yourself up for six, seven years with a guy. Um, And yeah, it'll be, I'm excited to see Ottawa this year. I still think Detroit is a little bit ahead of them, but the senators have definitely had a really good last few weeks.
1: Totally. I guess then let's move into Detroit if we're there, which Detroit has signed Cop, Sherrat, and Perone. Big moves all around. They got cop obviously from the Rangers for 5.625 million annually. He is a Michigander himself. He went to UMish. He was a Wolverine, go Blue. Uh, which we've seen a lot of promise and a lot of talent come out of that team recently, most notably Luke Hughes and others as well. But in 16 games with the Rangers, Cobb had 18 points in the regular season, but 14 points in 20 playoff games. Obviously he was not with the Rangers the entire season, as we know he was acquired later, but I don't know. I am excited to see him in Detroit. Like I said, they also acquired Ben Sherratt. He is a huge man. First of all, I didn't realize until I was looking at his stats, just how big this man is. He's six foot three, 234 pound defense, and he's a big dude. So good for him. And henceforth, that's why he's a defensive defense and he's good at what he does. Uh, he was last season, obviously split between the Canadians and the Panthers. He had 48 penalty minutes in 74 games, which I think that stat just makes me giggle a little bit because I'm like, all right. I love I love someone who isn't afraid to fight. Honestly, I'm like, I'm not getting, obviously not all those were for fighting. I'm not trying to say that, but I don't like when people play dirty. But I do like when people get into it. So it's so what it makes it makes hockey fun. It's fun to watch. He is a really hard hitting defenseman. I think he'll bring a lot of aggression and size to Detroit. He doesn't have the greatest stats ever from last season, but I am going to blame a lot of that on the season the Canadians were having. I think that. They obviously went through a lot last year. They had quite a season, quite a disappointing season for a lot of people in the league. So I feel like Ben Girard was trying to punch above his weight class, for lack of a better term. He was trying as hard as he could to do what he could with what he was given. He just wasn't given that opportunity. And I think that's why when he went to Florida then, we saw him shine a little bit more because he was in an environment that allowed him to not have to be a hundred percent on every minute of every single period of every single game so and then lastly Peron, two years 4.75 million AAV last played for the Blues 13 points and 10 penalty minutes in 12 postseason games which I think is funny he won the Stanley Cup with St. Louis got to the finals with Vegas and I'm hoping that brings some good energy to Detroit obviously the Red Wings have been rebuilding, getting better over the last couple of years. I am very anti Detroit, as they, as we all know, they famed Avs Red Wings rivalry. Uh, you can even watch a documentary about it now. They've made one, it's pretty good. So I've heard it's on my list. But obviously, I'm not a huge fan of them. But I do think that these three acquisitions will bode very well for them. I think they all add something that the team is missing. I think I'm really excited to watch all of them play with Moritz Sider, who won the Calder this year. I mean, obviously best rookie of the year. You have that on your team that gives a lot of promise from here on out, because of course he can only build up if he's already where he is now. Well, not only, but he can, but I think that these three players all are really good acquisitions for Detroit. I think that they are, like you said, Tyler, becoming closer and closer to becoming a playoff team, to becoming a team that could make a deep run, especially with everything that they've done in this free agency and in this offseason. And I'm actually really excited to watch them this year and see how all of this progresses. Because, I mean, obviously you never know, but I think that acquiring Cop, Sherratt, and Perone really builds well. These are three players that I found very strong this year that I enjoyed watching. And I think they will add a lot of expertise to this Detroit locker room that isn't bad by any means, but I think we'll enjoy a nice boost from some newcomers.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, Cop and Perron. I mean, they pretty much just remade their their entire second line there with those two additions. I mentioned earlier when we were talking about the Rangers, I think Cop was always going to the red wings he wanted to play in detroit he wanted to play for his hometown team he scored the ot winner when the rangers played in detroit this year so clearly he he got some extra juice from that game and ben charat well yes i agree his stats definitely were not the best this year i think a i agree that was attributed a little bit to the canadians terrible play but if you look at when he had his best time as a canadian it was playing alongside shea weber during that cup run. And now he's going to get to play alongside Mort Sider, the reigning rookie of the year. I think that's a great juxtaposition between you got Sider, the offensive kind of do it all defenseman, and then you'll have the more stay at home, defensive, hard hitting. I think that'll be a great pair for Detroit. And I mean, this team, they were, they were in it for the first half of the year last year, and then they kind of fell off still pretty young, but now you have another year of Lucas Raymond, another year of Sider. You have all these additions and, if one of these goalies, either Husso or Nedeljkovic, can really step up and solidify themselves as you know a top five, top seven goal in the league, I think Detroit could give that second or first wildcard spot a real good run for it. I think this team is really close. They now have the experience in Perron. He's won a cup. Kopp has made, obviously, coming off a deep playoff run with the Rangers. Sherratt's been in the finals, so now they added a lot of experience, similar to what we were talking about with the Devils adding Palat. That's necessary for a young team looking to make that next step, like the Red Wings are. And I, I think these were good moves for Detroit. It'll be, it'll be a really fun team to watch, because they were already a fun team to watch last year. So now them adding all these players, it, it should be an even better year for Detroit. And I think certainly if they don't make the playoffs this year, they will make it the following year.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I saw a couple of Red Wings games last season, and they were fun to watch, really kind of a spark plug unit. This year, they're going to be that much better because of the guys they added. Sherratt alone, to me, is the big addition because of that passing ability. You mentioned his time with Shea Weber and the Canadians. It doesn't help when you're playing with scrubs, and now he's going to be playing with teammates that can actually do something with the puck, make things happen. I like Detroit's chances to give that second wild card a run legitimately this season, because if for nothing else, you get some fresh legs, you get guys that want to be in the program. I think Detroit's going to be a team to look out for in that they're a little bit like the Rangers were last year now, where you look at them at first glance, okay, maybe a fringe team, but momentum is everything in hockey at times this year, more than any other potentially because of the amount of swapping we've seen in the off season you never know if they get hot at the right time, they can make a run.
1: I totally agree. Sorry. My everything just like glitched for a second. I agree. I think they can make a run. I am intrigued to see how this goes. I think that this was a team that played this off season very well. I think that they, worked smarter and I think that they actually found people who are going to fill the holes that they have. I think acquiring also, like you said, Huso and people like that, I think that's going to help. I think he was a very reliable goalie and now having people like Sharat Peron and um, who would I, Joseph Kopp, oh my goodness, playing in front of him. I have a lot of names in front of me right now in my notes. It all just kind of blends together after a while. Uh, I think having those three playing in front of him will be really helpful i i think that the number two wild card spot is a very fair place to put them this year and i hope we see them i mean like you said con they were a lot of fun to watch this year so i'm intrigued there is no smooth transition to make here but we'll just move on i guess this is my fun transition i'll make talking about goalies (laughs) i just want to try and find a fun transition at every point i can sometimes it doesn't work now's that time but i'm going to make one Goalies. I'll loop these two together because we are already having a bit of a, a long episode. This is a, a long one, but I, I hope everyone's enjoying. I know I am. So both Darcy Kemper and Jack Campbell have been traded to new teams are not traded, but have been signed to new teams. Kemper has gone to the Capitals. Campbell has gone to Edmonton. As we know, Darcy Kemper has just come off winning the Stanley Cup for the Colorado Avalanche. He has now signed a five-year, $5.25 million contract with the Capitals. They traded Vitek Vanacek, Vitek Vanacek. Wow. Try saying that five times fast, too. Oh, my goodness. Uh, to the Devils, which left them without a starting goalie. And, I mean, who better for them to acquire than the goalie who just won a Stanley Cup? You know, I mean, is Darcy Kemper the best goalie in the National Hockey League? Absolutely not. I know I'm not even going to try and pretend like he is. Is he a very solid goalie? Absolutely. Do I think he'll do a lot for Washington? Absolutely. He said he was really excited to be in Washington. I think that that's true. I mean, he'll be playing with Alex Ovechkin, which I know I'm really excited to see them two on the same team. I'm a big OB person. And I mean... It would have been nice to see him stick with Colorado, but it just wasn't possible in the current cap era. And he said he's really excited. He said that once he knew that the Capitals were interested, that he was interested in them. So he wanted to be there. They wanted him. I hope it's a good fit. I wish him well. I... Yeah, I think that he's very strong and I think that he'll do a lot there. And he genuinely thinks they're a team that can win in the near future and they're a team that can make a cup run. And I guess he would know what that looks like considering he just came off of a team that made a cup run and won. other. I mentioned Campbell to Edmonton five-year deal with the Oilers for 5 million AAV career save percentage of 0.916 and point uh, 2.53 goals against average. He's going to be the new starting goalie for Edmonton with probably Stuart Skinner as the backup, although there's been some up in the air about whether it's gonna be Stuart Skinner or Mike Smith, but I think it won't be Mike Smith, personally. Um, I think that he will help to fill a lot of the holes that were left in the Edmonton Oilers goaltending from this year. Obviously, I watched them up close and personal in the playoffs against the Avs, and of course, there were a lot of things that went into their goaltending situation. There were a lot of injuries, and a lot that prevented them from having their top line there. Mike Smith was just simply not up to snuff for that environment. Jack Campbell may not have been able to get his teams out of the first round of the playoffs yet, but now that he has people like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and as much as I don't like him, Evander Kane playing in front of him, I think that he actually has a decent chance. I think that he is a strong goalie. He's done well for the Leafs. I mean, he did well in that battle against Tampa Bay in the first round this year. I definitely thought the Leafs were going to come out on top there and boy, was I wrong, but I'm excited to see him in Edmonton. I really think that that'll be a good fit for him. I think he's really reliant, reliable, reliable, uh, and he's consistent maybe more so than Mike Smith was this year, obviously. And Yeah, I do hope he can get a team past the first round because I genuinely do like him as a goalie. I think he's got great stats and I think he'll do well in Edmonton, especially like I said with the team that he now has. Colin, what are your immediate thoughts on the goaltending situations on if these two are good fits for their teams? Are they going to be playoff contenders again this next year?
2: You know, this is one of the first off seasons where I can look at all of the general managers collectively and say, you know, you really did attack what you needed because both of these teams really badly needed goaltending, especially Edmonton. You can't justify the fact that, you know, Mike Smith was your your guy in net with a team like Connor with David Leon Dreisaitl. I know you're not a big Evander Kane fan, nor am I, but he added an element for them that was needed down the stretch. I think he'll do so again next year if he can behave himself and actually stay on the ice. And it's the same deal with Washington, where you have so much talent. Ovechkin, Backstrom, even Hagelin, a guy that can go get the puck with the best of them. I, I just look at both of those rosters as currently constructed, and now they're that much better because you're not scared of who they have in net, Like if, if you're on that team. like It's not like you have... It's not like you're dealing with Smith again if you're Edmonton. It's not like, you know, you're in the twilight years of Braden Holtby anymore. If you're Washington, you have guys that can actually get the job done and make big time saves for you. And even, you know, I look at the Capitals specifically. They went toe to toe with Florida in that first round series. That was not a pushover type of a matchup. And I don't think it will be again. Like, if, it, if that is the matchup, There's a good chance that Washington comes out on top solely because now they have a goaltender in Kemper. that can at least make a few really nice saves for you when necessary. As far as Edmonton goes, the West will be very interesting. It's very top heavy. I think he might put them over the hump to get to that conference final next season because the offense is just so dynamic that, of course, over the the duration of the regular season, That team's going to win games. They're going to compile points. Come playoff time, goaltending can make all the difference. We've seen it. Look at Igor last season with the Rangers. He made a big difference down the stretch for them, even though he struggled early on. Now Edmonton's a real contender because they have someone in the crease that can get the job done. I I don't think they're intensely better than anybody else, but the fact that the general managers of both the Capitals and Edmonton Oilers – had the wherewithal to know, all right, we need to upgrade at the goaltender position because we have such a good roster around that spot speaks volumes to me about where, where the league is headed as well, just in terms of, you know, you know how to construct a team. There was that weird loopy period of time. Tyler mentioned earlier where, you know, you're putting odds and ends together. It's a little bit like what Philly's getting slammed for now, where the signings don't make sense. Overall, I think we can all be pleased with these signings solely because it's going to make for better hockey, better product on the ice.
0: Yeah, finally, finally, Edmonton, they're done with this pipe dream of believing that you can somehow win a Stanley Cup with Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen as your one-two. They finally go get a goalie and Jack Campbell that has shown that he can be better than both of those guys. Campbell had a pretty crazy season if you look at the stats. He, like the first half of the year, it was him and Igor Shosturkin those were the guys who were battling it out for the Vesna, And then second half of the year, Campbell just completely fell off a cliff. He had a terrible second half. He did bounce back and have a good playoff. So it'll be really interesting to see which goalie the Oilers get. If it's the Campbell of the first half of the season, it's a steal of a contract and it could really vault that team to newer levels. And if it's the Campbell of the second half of the season, obviously there's going to be some problems, but definitely – credit to the Oilers for finally just committing and going out and getting a goalie that they've needed for, if we're being honest, three or four years at this point. And as for Washington with Kemper, I think it's another good signing. Like you guys have both said, granted, yes, Kemper didn't have the best playoff. The avalanche were so good that he didn't need to, but he's had, he had a really good regular season and he, especially on Arizona was one of the high-end elite goalies in the league. So obviously, if you make the playoffs with the Capitals, he's going to need to be better than he was with the Avalanche in the playoffs. But the Darcy Kemper of the last three seasons overall, and really for most of his career, has been an elite top-end goalie in the NHL, and that's what the Capitals are paying for. And if he can provide that for them, that'll – keep this team's window open for a few more years because I think they are similar to the Bruins. Maybe not as, you know, this is it for the Bruins. This is their final year, but the Capitals, you know, they're getting old. Obviously Ovechkin's getting old. He's still playing at a crazy high level, but he's getting up there. Backstrom's getting up there. He had some injuries. Oh, getting up there. So this team definitely, I would, I would say they have their best days behind them, especially considering they won a cup in 2018. But like signing a guy like Darcy Kemper, who can solidify the back end better than it's been in the last year or two with the tandem that they had going, that can prolong this window and give this core one or two extra kicks at the can that they maybe wouldn't have gotten with, you know, a Samsonov and Vanachek tandem that they've been running for the last year or two.
1: Totally, I agree. I think that these are smart moves, for both of them. I, I. And when I say that, I don't think Kemper is not the best goalie in the league. Not that I think he's bad by any means. I, of course, think he's a great goalie. I just am like, well, is he perhaps the same as an Igor or as a, I don't know, someone. I don't know. But anyways, moving right along, let us touch quickly upon the extensions of contracts that the Tampa Bay Lightning made for Sergachev, Chernak, and Sorelli. All of them extended through, I think, like 2031 which those were the choices that were made by the GM and by John Cooper and by the entire higher ups instead of signing Palat again, which we've already talked about that and how he is now with the Devils. But they let him go due to the cap space. They said they just couldn't do it. They didn't want to lowball him and give him an offer that they knew he wasn't deserving of. Henceforth, they let him go. And in his place, they have signed, re-signed Sergachev, Chernak, and Sorelli I think that if they want to make another Stanley cup run next year, like they obviously do, because of course they're very sad about how this year turned out. I think that these are three key pieces to doing that. I think that they still have one of the greatest goalies in hockey and keeping this trio together. That is really part of their core. Keeping them all on the same roster is really important to having another run like that because they are so strong together, having these three out in front of Whoever will be in that for them, although we do know who we are for them, um, <laughs> will be very solid. I think that, I don't know. My question is, I guess, to you, because I don't have too many thoughts on the three of them. I think they're excellent. I think they're great at what they do. Watching them in the playoffs was an absolute joy. Was Palat the right person to let go of this quad? Do we think that Palat was the right person to let go? I don't think so, personally. I think that Pilot was so productive this offseason. season. They should have kept him. They should have found a way. I get they didn't want to lowball him, but still, I don't know if he was the one they should have let go and should have let go to another team in the East, especially that they're going to be competing against constantly. Colin, you were shaking your head. No, when I said is block the person they should have let go. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, that's going to be looked at as a huge mistake in retrospect. I'm going to call that right now because Kucherov is a great offensive player when he's on the ice. See, he's very injury prone. He's dealt with some stuff. Obviously, the guy has battled through it. But Palat is pretty consistent in terms of his availability. I think that's something Cooper and company are going to look at when push comes to shove next season and be like, all right, maybe we let the wrong guy go. Because the guys that you extended, Sorelli, Cernak, people of this nature, they're not necessarily singularly pushing you over the hump if you're Tampa Bay. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's certain players that are transformative in that their mere presence has that grave an impact. I look at Mika Zavadajad for the Rangers as one of those players. I look at Palat as one of those players. Kucherov, same sort of deal, but, you know, he's rarely ever 100%. Palat at least gives you the consistency of knowing we have someone at all times that can score a goal when we need one. So I, I don't know if it was smart to let him go. I think they really are banking on Kucherov now being that guy I don't know if that's smart. I see Nikita Kucherov in hockey the same way I see Kevin Durant in basketball. When he's on the ice or court, he's great. But he has to be on the ice or on the court for that to to really take shape. I don't know how this is going to work for Tampa Bay going forward. Vasilevsky did not look like himself against the Rangers. He did not look like himself for the beginning parts. Of the Avalanche series, obviously he had a great game down the stretch for them, stole them a game that pushed it to six. I don't know if next year is going to be a cup year for Tampa Bay. I think that's become the standard in Florida in Tampa Bay area, but it's not going to be the same. Without McDonough, without Pilat now, I don't see that team being as scary as they've been for so long. Not smart to let Palat walk. Even if you thought you were low him, you, you have to ask, would you be willing to take a little bit less to come back? It's not like you haven't had success. He's not coming back to a Humpty Dumpty organization. You're going to compete if he's there. So we'll, we'll have to see how things shape up for the Lightning.
0: Yeah, you mentioned McDonough too. They also had to get rid of him to get these contracts done. But I don't know. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respectfully disagree on this one. I think Palat has been obviously a, a – Great player for Tampa. He shows up in the playoffs, but if you look at the three guys they extended, I think they're all, A, they're all much younger than Pilat. Pilat's already in his 30s. Sorelli, Chernak, Sergachev, all young, still entering their prime. And I think all three of them are honestly, have the potential to be better than Andre Pilat. Sergachev, I think they might have overpaid him a little bit. They're paying him like a borderline number one defenseman, which I don't think he is, but Even if you give him, so he got eight and a half, say you give him maybe six and a half, which I think might be more worth his price. That's still not enough to sign Palat. Sorelli, he's going to provide maybe a little less offensively Palat, but he is a a perennial Selkie candidate. He reminds me of almost a poor man's Patrice Bergeron in the sense that Bergeron provided more offensively in his prime, but was obviously the best defensive player, maybe of our generation. And I think Sorelli has the potential to do that. He, you can match him up against literally anyone. He, he's one of the best defensive forwards in the game. I don't think that's a guy that you can afford to lose. He's it's such an extreme valuable. You can attest to it, Colin, how valuable was it in the past decade to know you had a guy like Patrice Bergeron that, no matter whether you were playing Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, whoever you're playing that night, you had a guy who was going to be able to, if not shut him down, come pretty close to doing that. And then Chernak, he's a, he's a big physical defenseman too, and I think they got him for a really reasonable price. So obviously they would have liked to keep Palat. That's not a secret. But when you're a team like Tampa who has done so well at drafting and developing, you have to make tough decisions. And you're not going to be able to keep all these guys. And I think at the end of the day, while well, Pilat had been in Tampa forever. He's beloved by that fan base. He had some amazing moments there. I think it was time to move on. I think all these guys fit the team a little better in the sense that if you want to keep prolonging this window and you want this team to continue contending for cups, you can't overpay a 30 year old winger to try and keep him. And that means letting go. I don't know how old Sorelli is, but I mean, he's, I think he's in his mid twenties and, Sergachev and Chernak are also, I believe, in their mid-20s. Those are guys that you got to keep if you want to prolong that window. So I think that it was a tough decision, but at the end of the day, the right one for Tampa to make to get all three of these contracts done. And two of them, Chernak and Sorelli, I thought were for great prices. Sergachev may be a little bit of an overpay, but I think the Chernak and Sorelli contracts kind of offset the negative of the of the Sergachev one.
1: I, uh, I think that – what did you say Sergachev was making? Like eight and a half? Eight and a half. Yeah, I, I think that's a bit of uh an overpayment, but only time will tell. Like you said, this is a this is a team and an organization that really knows how to build a roster, knows how to make these smart choices when offering contracts, when signing people. So I do have trust in this organization in terms of the choices they've made. And like you said, the three that they chose to keep are much younger, but I don't know. I still really like the way Pilat plays. I still really enjoyed what he looked like this year, especially in the postseason. And I am intrigued to see how this fares coming now. And I mean, I think it'll be really interesting for them now to be playing against each other when they were such a strong core together. Now having to watch them face off multiple times a year as they're in the exact same conference, I think will be very interesting. Moving onward to another team in the Metropolitan Division, the Canes, the Hurricanes. We have Maddie Bumonti as our producer today. She is our North Carolina native, um, but she is not a fan of the Carolina hurricanes. If you ask her, she'll tell you all about it. They have signed Brent Burns and one patch from the Vegas Golden Knights. And then of course, Burns is from San Jose. Uh, One of the most, first of all, Brent Burns has one of the most iconic faces in hockey. Dare I say, between that hockey smile and his beard, You can't tell me you don't look at that man and go, that's a professional hockey player because that man just looks like he plays hockey for a living. Anyways, the Sharks retained 33 of Burns's salary once he was traded to the Canes and he believes they're still in that cup winning window and really wants to be a part of it because the Sharks have missed it for the last three years. The Canes have not. The Canes have made it, I think, the last four, three, four, four. Yeah, one of the two. Four, thank you, Tyler. Last four years. Uh, And so, I mean, that is essentially going 180 on what your teams have done the last couple of years. So I think that'll be really exciting to see him there. Uh, He led the defenseman on the sharks with 54 points and he topped the NHL in minutes played. I think that he's a really strong defensive player. I think he's a big man. I think he'll do really well on this aggressive physical Kane squad that we've seen up close and personal this entire year and in the playoffs. I think that, like I've said before, and like I just said, They are a very physical team. They are a very aggressive team. And I think he'll fit in very well there. I really do. And I think that he will add a lot to their defensive side in terms of their offense, we know, is incredibly strong. And they're great, I think, at least, in the middle. But I'm excited to see how then, on the defensive end, he is so powerful and how he's able to be aggressive. I want to watch him with hits. I want to watch him with a number of blocks. So I think that he'll fit in well there. I think that... It leaves a large hole in San Jose's defense, which will be really interesting um, how they choose to fill. And I think that fans are definitely going to be sad to see Burns go. But what can you do? It's the name of the game. Other one I mentioned, Pacioretty was traded from the Golden Knights to the Canes for literally nothing, legitimately nothing. It was future considerations. And that was it. Essentially, Vegas just dumped him to the Canes, and they just took him on free of charge, which I find hilarious, but odd. Also the fact that it was Vegas willing to do that. I think that Vegas has this interesting habit of wanting to sign these really, really high end players and these big stars, and then ending up with absolutely zero cap space. And so they're having to dump some of these other players that are productive because they really just need the cap space. I think that Pacciaretti was making like 7 million a year or something like that, which is a lot of cap space to then be freed up. But it's wild that you're giving away a player who you were willing to pay 7 mil a year for literally nothing. I think that they've just gotten themselves into such a pickle. Obviously, they have a new head coach. uh, So I will be really intrigued to see how that goes. But this is not about the Knights. Um, (laughs) I think that the Knights need to figure out a better system because what they're doing isn't really working. Obviously, they missed the playoffs this last year for the first time since their inception that led them to fire their head coach. But now they've dumped Pacioretty, and now he is on the Canes. I think both of them will fit in well there. I think that the Canes are in a cup window still. I can't say it's immediate. I don't think it's going to be maybe this year that they're really going to be winning. But I liked what I saw out of them a lot in the postseason. And I think that these two players will add a lot to their squad. Colin. What are your thoughts?
2: They're going to miss trochek mm-hmm. That's my initial thought. Like, I know adding Burns and Pacioretty is good in that you're getting quality players to flesh out a roster that needed some fleshing out, but you're going to miss Trochek Based on the identity of this team being a rough-and-ready type of group, I'm not sure Pacioretty really moves the needle for them that much in that regard. Yes, he's a good offensive force. I don't look at him at his age as someone that's really going to be ready for what Brynne is bringing to the table in Carolina burns. Definitely. I look at him like, yeah, you are, this is why I don't like the hurricanes. Like you just fit that vibe of a team that's annoying and, and ready to bash my team's brains out. So they're, they're going to be good. Again, the cup windows definitely there. I would have thought last year was the year for Carolina actually, because I thought they presented a very bad matchup problem for Tampa Bay. Like if that was the Eastern conference final, I think Carolina might have found a way to win because of how physical they would have been against the Lightning. I think that would have been the matchup we'd all have been talking about. Rangers cut their run short, as we all know. Next year, I think it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment without Vincent Trocek really clogging up the middle. That's one of the strengths of this team. It has been that they're that good in the neutral zone. So when you lose that type of a presence, I'm not sure that's something you repra- rep- replace effectively right off the bat. So, yes, the additions make sense for them. I'm not sure Max Pacioretty is going to be that great in year one, if he even is there, beyond one year with the Hurricanes. Burns, I like. We'll have to see how it all shapes out. They're definitely still a threat in the East.
0: Yeah, real. Uh, I definitely want to talk about Carolina, but just got to recognize with Vegas, talk about a masterclass in asset management. You trade a first, a second, and a third for Thomas Tatar and then you end up trading Tatar, Suzuki, and I believe another pick or two for Max Pacioretty, and then you trade Max Pacioretty for nothing. So, you know, round of applause, Kelly McCrimmon. That is, is like, that's horrendous. That is not even adjectives to describe how bad that is. And it's really, this Vegas team is unrecognizable from the identity that they came into the league with, this group of misfits that was a well-rounded lineup. Now it just feels like they go after star, after star, after star, throwing wild amounts of cap at everyone. And you mentioned that they freed up 7 million in this trade, Sam, but it's not even like they're freeing it up. They they had to get rid of the 7 million because they, they had no space. So yeah, definitely not great work from Vegas there, but for uh, Carolina to get still a, a really great goal scorer, Max Petcheretti for free, that's, I mean, that's obviously going to help your lineup when you're adding a player of that caliber for nothing. And for Brett Burns, I think um, if you look to see, if you look at, see what Tony D'Angelo did playing alongside Jacob Slavin last year, he obviously put up a lot of points and Tony D'Angelo is not nearly as good defensively as Brett Burns is, but Slavin was able to mask that. And I think Burns, you know, obviously caveat, this is not the Brent Burns of 2015. This is not one of the best defense in the league, Brent Burns. He definitely has gone down along with the Sharks, but um, he's still a very good offensive player and he still can handle his own defensively and playing alongside one of the best defensemen in the game. And Jacob Slavin is only going to make that even more prevalent and help him out. The fact that he's now the, not, not the number one guy. And finally, I'll say for San Jose, I think this is the right move. This team has, for not being a great team, they have a lot of long and expensive contracts. And I think while, you know, they didn't get the greatest return for him, Brent burns in this trade, I think this is what San Jose needs to do. They kind of just got to tear this down. They still have Vlasic on a pretty long and pricey contract. Still have Eric Carlson. So the work is not done there, but I think this was, this is a necessary step. Mike Greer, the new GM came in and clearly he, has decided, okay, I'm putting my foot down. We we gotta change this thing up. We can't keep running it back with these old expensive contracts that clearly, you know, we had great runs in the past, but that window has closed. So I think this was a good move for both sides. And Carolina, it's gonna be definitely a, a different looking team, as you kind of alluded to, Colin. I'm I'm interested to see how it works out.
1: Yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting. This will be a different looking team. Um, like you said as well, Colin. I think them missing Trocek will, it'll become very apparent or not, whether very apparent, whether or not words are so hard. That is, uh, the feeling in North Carolina, probably a month into the season. So we'll know very quickly if everyone has made the right choices or not, we are, we are winding down here. We are coming to the end of our extended free agency and trade talk here on five on three. Two more things I want to mention, and I'll just—they're not at all connected—but I'll just throw them out at once, and then you can discuss them as we see fit. Number one, Mister Gino Genimalkin signing a four-year extension with the Pittsburgh Penguins. We were not sure if that was going to happen. There was a lot of talk about him hitting the market. He said he was going to test free agency. He—I saw a quote that said he felt like the Penguins didn't believe in him anymore or he wasn't a great player, blah, 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 blah. So I don't know. I'm glad he's back with Pittsburgh signed a 6.1 million a year contract extension. The other thing I want to bring up is Andrew Burnett going to New Jersey. He is one of the new assistant coaches, I believe for the devils. As we know, he filled in this past year for Florida for the Panthers. Once their head coach was fired, once Joel Quenville went out the door he did a great job. I was surprised they didn't ask him to stay now he's in Jersey. I think that will do wonders for this team. Rapid fire. I know we have to leave in a couple of minutes. So Tyler Kahn thoughts on both of these and then we'll say goodbye for the season.
0: Good moves for, for both. I would say Andrew Burnett will definitely help that Jersey coaching staff and that team and maybe a potential Lindy Ruff replacement if things don't work out at the start of the season. And yeah, I, I I honestly I thought Malkin was going to leave. I, I really did. But uh I saw a tweet. Malkin said, "I'm testing free agency." And Sid said, "The only thing you're testing is my patience. Get back here now." And then he signed. So, it'll be uh it'll be interesting to see how Pittsburgh does. They they it looked like there was going to be a lot of turnover with that team. It ended up not being turnover. They pretty much resigned everyone. Raquel, Latang, Malkin, so Penguins are not done yet. That core is still back and they're still going to do some damage in the East. And it should be, should be interesting to watch to see how they're able to age together. Because so That team is going to be old and pricey in a few years.
2: Definitely great to see Malkin back in Pittsburgh. That's a core that's been around for what feels like a solid two decades almost. I mean, I know it's not that long, but it feels like it's been quite some time, obviously, Cup success with Crosby and Malkin there. Would have liked to have seen Malkin in another team's uh, colors that also wears uh, black and yellow, but uh, didn't happen that way. He remains in Pittsburgh. And as far as the brunette hire goes, it makes a whole lot of sense for Jersey. You need a, a new voice for that core that's on the come up. It would have been more uh, so the case if you'd landed Goudreau. I think that would have been a good fit in Jersey with Brunette as the new coach, something fresh going forward. But regardless, it, it's going to end up working out for the Devils. Uh, really just a great offseason all around for the East. And certainly for those two teams trying to wrap things up and, and and bringing back the core in Pittsburgh and in Jersey, same type of deal. You're bringing back the cast of characters that you had. You got rid of Zaka. But overall, Pittsburgh and New Jersey making similar moves and that they're not dramatically changing anything you're just making a nuanced move towards the future
1: absolutely the rangers and the devils definitely making a lot of moves this offseason the islanders not doing as much as i for sure thought they would but that is okay with that we have come to the end of our five on three season i know that was a bit of a quick wrap up there but after our nearly two hour long episode i felt that it was fitting to just stuff it in at the end and then say goodbye. So I want to say a very heartfelt thank you to every single person who we have had on the show, every single producer we have had, to Bobby, to Ryan Gregoire, to Alex Wolves, to Kayla, to Mike Calamari, to everyone for all the help that we've had this season, and especially to our other hosts who have now graduated, who we will miss dearly, Mike Messina, Thomas Quigley, Chris Hennessy, everyone else. We thank you so much for showing us the ropes, especially me. This was my first year at FUV, and um, you guys really helped show me the ropes. And I'm very, very grateful for everything. So, with that, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to this week's episode of Five on Three. Five on Three is a production of WFUV Sports. I hope everyone has a fantastic rest of the off season, and we will see you in September.